It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to Monday.com. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hello, this is the Red Box Podcast. I'm Matt Chorley, still at the Conservative Party Conference in Birmingham. <laughs> it never ends. Uh, the U-turns and the infighting just keep coming. Uh, coming up on today's episode is the interview that everyone's talking about. I spoke to Penny Morton. Actually, we're supposed to be talking about her claim that the comms at Tory Party Conference have been bad. Uh, and she just announced she thinks that uh, benefits should rise in line with inflation, which seems to have completely derailed day three for Liz Truss. So that's all going very well. Uh, that interview coming up in just a moment. And then we, we discuss comms with uh, previous uh, spinners for... Boris Johnson, uh, Theresa May and David Cameron, as that's coming up on the podcast. First, though, as ever, we kick off with this. The Columnists on Times Radio. Yes, it's that time of the morning. We always speak to two of our favourite columnists. Uh, normally it's Finkelvich. We've got no Finkel this week, but we have got a Vich. Morning, David Iwanovich. Good morning. Uh, nice to have you with us. There he is, uh, beaming in. Uh, and joining me here in Birmingham at the Tory Party Conference, James Forsyth. Morning, James. Morning, Matt. Morning, David. Good morning, James. Let's start with benefits. It's very much the story of the day, James. We've had 45p tax rate. That was done and dusted yesterday. Benefits is the new front. And Penny Mordaunt, Cabinet Office Minister, uh, Cabinet Minister, Leader of the House of Commons, telling this programme... In fact, let's just take a listen, just so we'll be absolutely clear how unusual it is that given that they'd, the government had made clear that they thought that benefits should not rise in line with inflation. That's what they briefed. This is what Penny Morden told me. I have always supported, um, whether it's pensions, whether it's uh, our welfare system, uh, keeping pace uh, with inflation, it's, uh, it makes sense uh, to do so. So that's, that's what I voted for before, and, ha- and so have a lot of my colleagues. But we do need to look at where we can make efficiency savings just because of the cost challenges uh, on those department budgets. Yeah. James, just explain how this is not supposed to happen a month after becoming Prime Minister at the Conservative Party conference. So, last night, allies of Liz Truss were explaining why they thought that politically uh, they could actually have this row about raising benefits in line with earnings, not inflation. Uh, they, in crude terms, they like the dividing line. Uh, and then your scoop with uh, Penny Morden drops, uh, and it, I think, has caused them a problem. Because there's one thing for people outside the tent, you know, whether it's... Uh, Michael Gove or Mel Stry, the chairman of the Treasury Select Committee, to be saying, oh, look, you know, you've got, you've got to raise it in line with inflation. It's quite enough for a cabinet minister to be going and saying that. And I think it, it, it adds to this sense that this conference is slightly spiralling out of control um, and that the, 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 there is not this grip. And I think one of the things about British politics is it is a momentum game. <sighs> when things are going right for you, they carry on going right for you. When things start going wrong, 
they tend to carry on going wrong. I mean, that is a challenge for Liz Truss, is how to, um, how to calm the situation down and, and reassert her authority. Because Penny Morden um, is a canny politician, and she knew precisely what she was doing when she said that to you. David, what, what does this look like uh, from, from the privileged position of not being here in uh, Birmingham? Um, I was just thinking, looking at the psych and you with the Conservatives behind them, and I was thinking, what most people are probably thinking, are they still there? I mean, are they still governing <laughs> us? Uh, after all this, um, are we still having to listen to them wang on about grammar schools and, um, and how good it is that we're not going to be with the Europe on the, on the GDPR when most of them don't even know what the GDPR is? The only bit of the speech they heard... Is, uh, is about not being Europe. And then later on, we're going to get the Home Secretary with the 15th new plan to stop migrants crossing the channel uh, and so on. And they will be thinking, why are they still there? Why have we still got them? We don't want them. Um, and what I feel is a, I feel a kind of mounting sense of rage that we have to listen to, to, to this. Of course, it is not a process question about whether or not you raise benefits in line with inflation. It's a deeply humane and political question. And what the government has succeeded to do since Liz Truss first stood as candidate for the prime ministership amongst those uh, small number of people who are Conservative Party members was effectively said, we have a vision of how this society gets to be rich. And in the meantime, while we're getting there, some of you are going to have to be a fair bit poorer. Uh, because that's the way the cookie crumbles. Sorry about that, but eventually we will get to this nirvana through a kind of low, through through our low tax approach. Uh, and the problem is, the British people don't wear it. They don't want it. They didn't vote for it. And a lot of their colleagues in the Conservative Party didn't vote for it, won't wear it, and don't want it. Um, and that's and that's the reality. And there's no way of kind of getting around it. Most people in this country probably, I would guess, want them gone and they are counting down the days until they are gone. Um, James, in terms of the issue of welfare, if you go back ten years ago and you're George Osborne basically went around saying you can't cut welfare enough, the public love it, it's the scroungers, the people who leave their curtains closed and all of that. And actually, lots of things happened since then, but fundamentally the pandemic and the sense of the state being there to help people... And if you look at the polls, you know, the polls think that ta people think that tax should go up to fund public services and to fund people who are struggling in a way that just wasn't the case maybe a decade ago. I, I think it's actually something else. Though. I think it's also about who is on welfare now. I think a lot of people on welfare on universal credit are in work. Yeah. And so that, 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 that kind of old school Tory distinction between those people who work and those people on benefits doesn't exist in the same way that it used to. Secondly, I think a lot of the people who aren't working have um, long-term health problems or mental health problems that have been, I think, exacerbated by the pandemic. And you, you look at the size of the NHS waiting list, I mean, that is one of the contributors to, to a large number of people on out-of-work benefits at the moment. And so I, I think that is different. I also think the other problem which the Tories have got with talking about going back to austerity is that you know, George Osborne essentially picked all the low-hanging fruit. Yeah. And, and so it is much harder to see what it is that you say that you're going to cut compared to before. Now, lots of people say, oh, look, the civil service headcount has grown, the number of people working in public sector has grown. Partly, though, because of Brexit, we are asking the state to do more things than it did before. And, and so I, I, I think one of the things that they are struggling with is uh, they went for the tax cuts, now they're trying to look for the cuts. It isn't obvious where the cuts come from 
in the way that perhaps it was in 2010. There were, there were some things that you could do in 2010 that were big, quick things that saved you lots of money. And David, one of the things that's really struck me, and I was talking um, uh, this morning to people, is that there's a risk that the Conservatives are now literally trashing their own brand and their own record <laughs> on their own conference stage. Kwasi Kwarteng talking about 12 years of economic failure. And, you know, it's all very sort of Ed Miliband in 20. Uh, 2010, 2011, if, if you're not going to own your record, uh, if you're going to imply that uh, they've trashed the economy, the economy hasn't grown because of Conservative governments, there are too many people on welfare, uh, on universal credit, literally a creation of a Conservative government, uh, there aren't enough houses because the Conservative government stood in the way of planning. Um, it's no wonder the public is thinking, well, even you think you've been rubbish. <laughs> well, they tried very hard, didn't they, during the course of the run-up to the uh, to the conference to say, but we're a new government. We're, we're not we're not like the old ones. I mean, quasi quite said, we've only been in office for 19 days. Well, there may be a kind of technicality about what it is you call, how it is you date governments, but to most electors, that's not the way it seems. To most electors, they've had Conservatives in government since 2010. They know that. I mean, they might not know the precise date, etc., but they know it's quite a long time. And that the way in which this party tends to try and suggest to, to everybody that actually it isn't the party that messed it up before is by changing its leader. Well, there's a number, only a number, certain number of times you can do this. And we're not talking... So I don't really think that people are paying incredible attention broadly to whether or not they trash their own reputation. I don't think, I, I honestly, I mean, I think that may be a problem for some Conservative voters who see this and say, well, why should I bother to turn out then? I can see why that might uh, be the impact. But the broad question for the broad electorate is whether or not you want this lot there at all anymore. Yeah. So, James, you've, you, you're a close study of this. You, you've got the Cabinet on speed dial. What's your sense... Does Liz Truss survive? Are we just in a very long, drawn-out process towards an election defeat? I think the big question is what happens after the government sets out this, this medium-term fiscal strategy, right? They've announced that... Not to be confused with David Cameron's long-term economic plan. In, indeed. <laughs> they, they, they've announced that they're bringing that forward to this month. I, I think if that lands badly with the markets, things will become even more difficult. And I mean, I, I mean that is the challenge here. I mean, there is a, I mean, there is a broad perception here that, that you know, to, to try and change leader again would risk looking properly absurd. Um, but I think they do need to get this document out there, have it go down well with the markets, and you know see some kind of recovery in the polls. You know, I mean, D David was 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 talking about what what the, the, you know he thinks most of the public want them gone. I, I think when YouGov for the Times has Labour 33 points ahead, it, it, it's very hard for anyone to, to argue with and that. And actually, lots of polls have now got Labour on 50%, which yeah. is mental in terms of what we've seen over the period, which actually confirms your point, uh, David, that you know when more than half the public clearly want them gone, it's very difficult to come back from that. I suppose, finally, David, the big question is, what is more absurd, her staying or them changing leader? And that's literally the sort of conundrum that Tory MPs are, are currently trapped with. I mean, he just... It's, it's, it, in a way, of course, it's the ultimate kind of inside beltway question, um, uh, really. Um, uh, but, you have to, uh, but you have to ask it. And I simply can't compute it. I mean, would we think that there would be any... Is there some kind of extraordinary saviour? Is Penny Mordaunt 
the strange voice who can somehow say, well, actually, I am the totally different person who will lead you to the... Uh, to the new or, or, is it, or is it because Tories are worried that Liz Truss is actually a series of dis, uh, dis, a couple of disasters already happened and a series of disasters yet to come and they're therefore better get rid of her before it gets even worse I think James is going to be in a better position to answer this because he knows these people frankly at the moment I don't, I don't, I don't care and I don't think most people care I think <laughs> this brand is exhausted um, and, to, be, to be clear, uh, that round of applause you might be able to hear in the background is not for David's peroration. It is. Uh, that's a different event. Which... <laughs> <laughs> it is. It is applause. My, if only you could tune in to all the all the listeners, you'd hear it. Uh, yeah, they're all clapping at home. They're all clapping at home. They Maybe are. James' solution is to do a sort of "Have I Got News for You" thing, and they just have a different <laughs> guest leader every week until the end of the series. I think there is a kind of Australianisation of British politics happening, which is I think one of the things about the Tory Party is. They have changed leaders so many times recently, but there's just such a level of poison in the bloodstream, right? Yeah. And you see this, you know, that, 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 you know, you've got lots of people around here, you know, you can't go, you can't walk through a conference bar right now without someone who was a close ally of Boris Johnson coming up to you saying, well, you know, I bet you think people have got regret, as they call it, um, <laughs> about oh, what they did. Yeah. Yeah. And I think this is, I think this is, this is where it gets very, very difficult yeah. because, you know, how do you calm things down? And also, I think there is this other question, which is the, the mandate thing. I think that in terms of both the politics and the markets, yeah. it was a mistake for Liz Truss to say, look, I'm a big break with what went before, because the markets then said, well, if you're a big break with what went before, we need to see a detailed plan yeah, yeah. rather than just a series of tax cuts. And then in terms of the public, you then get all this criticism from, you know, from voters and people who work for Boris Johnson saying, well, hang on a second, where's, where's your mandate for this? Yeah. You know, and look, I, I don't... I mean, I think, I think Nadine Doris is exaggerating when you say we need to have an election over Channel 4 privatisation, but um, <laughs> I, I, I mean, there, there, is a, there is a broader question about yeah. how, do you, how do you balance this? Because I think one of the things that is going on is, is, is a kind of struggle for the soul of a Tory party, which is lots of people in the Tory party think that Liz Truss is a kind of you know, Manchester Liberal rather than a Tory, so they're perfectly entitled to object to plans here and there. I think lots of people on the Liz Truss side of the argument feel that people have moved, that, you know, the Tory party has moved too far to the left yeah. and they are yanking it back towards the economic right uh, and that is the kind of right and proper thing to do. So I mean, that, that tension there, it, you know, beyond the personality politics, there is, a, there is a kind of fundamental philosophical tension as well. James Forsyth and David Ivanovich there. Of course, you can read them in The Times every week. Just get yourself a subscription. If you subscribe now, you get your first month for free. Just go to thetimes.co.uk forward slash Times Red Box. Up next, Paddy Morton on benefits, comms, and the return of cabinet government. It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, Things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to monday.com. If you're looking for plump lips that last, you need to know about Juvederm Lip Fillers. 
With Juvederm Volbella XC and Juvederm Ultra XC, your lip look, whether it's subtle or bold, can last up to one full year with optimal treatment and no additional maintenance. Find a licensed specialist and see if it's right for you at Juvederm.com today. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Add fullness to lips in adults over 21 with Juvederm Volbella XC or Juvederm Ultra XC. Do not use if you have severe allergies or a history of severe allergic reactions, or if you you're allergic to lidocaine or the proteins used in Juvederm. Tell your doctor if you have a history of scarring or taking medicines that decrease the body's immune response or that can prolong bleeding. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. As with all fillers, there's a rare risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. For full, important safety information, visit Juvederm.com. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at PlushCare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Plushcare.com slash weight loss. You're listening to the Red Box Podcast now. It's time for this. The Big Thing on Times Radio. Penny Mortens, leader of the House of Commons. Welcome to Times Radio. Thank you. You've had quite a summer. You went from nowhere to third of the leadership race, leader of the House of Commons, President of the of the Privy Council proclaiming the King. It's not dull. It's no. not dull. No, it was a huge privilege to, to do that. And how how did it feel given that normally leader of the House of Commons is not always the, the job that people might call over hot coals for? I think a couple of people might have turned it down. But what a moment in history to be able to do that. It was an immense privilege. I mean not just the we really do, did feel it was a well it was a moment in history, but it was working with the royal family during that period. Um, Clearly, they were going through the most tremendous changes, and it's just a real privilege to, to be alongside them and to support them as best I could. So let's talk about your day job now. You're a member of the cabinet. Uh, how do you think the party covers is going? <laughs> well, it's um, it's a Monday afternoon as we as we uh, speak. I'm actually pleased that they've they've done this today and uh, have drawn a line under the the 45p uh, rate. I think it's the right thing to do. And we can move on and we can concentrate on the good stuff, which is the, the growth agenda, the supply side reforms. We want actually business and all the councillors and activists here to be putting ideas forward about what we can do to, to unlock our economy and get it really firing. So that's what we ought to be focused on. Um, it's interesting you say it's the right thing to do to have dropped the 45p because on Sunday night you were speaking at a reception where you said... But it's, it's, uh, it's nearly Monday. What have we learned so far in conference? We've learned that our policies are great, but our comms is <laughs> The policies were good, but the comms were I think I think you were not detecting the irony of that event because it was to a bunch of comms professionals right. who always get blamed 
uh, when things go wrong. So if you'd heard the rest of my speech, you would have that would so have been more evident. The comms were good, and it was the policies. Well, were, I think I think uh, we we knew that things need to needed to be revisited. How come um, the comms teams number ten or eleven been in touch? <laughs> They're always in touch, Matt. They? They're always in touch. Otherwise, we'd never speak. Well, that is true. But you're here, which is very good point. Um, Never mind them being in touch. What about the cabinet being in touch and being told what's going on? It was a bit of a surprise that the prime minister on TV on Sunday, and now made clear that you, you and the rest of the cabinet hadn't been told about what was in the growth plan, about the 45p tax rate. Is that a problem if you're trying to run a government? So I think one of the things that the new prime minister is trying to do is reset cabinet to be what it should be. She, um, you'll I'm not know, telling you what was happening. No, you'll, you'll notice, you know, one of the first things she did was she, she removed a lot of the people who were sat outside, you know, around the edge of the room but weren't cabinet members. And she wants cabinet to be a forum where we can really kick the tyres on policy. We can have frank discussions that aren't then leaked. And cabinet hasn't really worked like that for, for a while. And she wants to really restore that. It's been a very peculiar start because of those sad events with her late majesty, um, passing uh, and I think that's what she wants to get back to and she's she has also told her secretaries of state about being consultative talking to our backbenchers as as well as groups around the country uh, about ideas and actually that's the only way we're really going to get things moving is that if people understand what it is we're trying to do and know how they can contribute to that agenda was it a mistake then not to tell the cabinet about the 45p tax rate and actually had she done, maybe you'd have had that conversation and it wouldn't have been announced. Look, I think we've had we've had a really peculiar start. You know, we've had we've had three cabinet meetings. One was the first cabinet when we were formed where she set out her agenda. The second was because of the Queen's death and the third was right before that uh, that fiscal event. Um, and I think that's it's not been a normal uh, start to things but I know what the new Prime Minister wants to do and how she wants her cabinet to operate and I think that's right it should be consultative we should be colleagues together we should take decisions together and have that collective responsibility and I know that's what she wants to achieve. So do, if it happened again do you think that something like the 45p wouldn't have been repeated had it gone to I that think, process? I think when she is uh, yeah she would want uh, all colleagues to to know what it was we were doing um, and you know, we've got some wise heads around that table and we should all be being able to contribute and I think that's what she wants to do. So the 45p rate is dead, or cutting it is dead. Uh, what about welfare? That seems to be the new fund. I spoke to Michael Gove on Monday. He told me he thought that Boris Johnson was right when he said that welfare benefit payments should rise in line with inflation. Uh, Boris Johnson was the elected Conservative Prime Minister. He made that pledge. Everyone else seemed to sign up to it. Where do you stand on that? Well, if, if nothing changes, I mean, departmental budgets are setting in cash terms. So if nothing changes, people are still going to have to find efficiency savings because, you know, people's costs are, are going up. So all or, this or needs can, to be looked at. It. That seems to be the chance of solution. Well, we, you can just borrow more money. We do, we do need to control spending. But this is what is being looked at now. And you'll have heard the Treasury is, bringing, is going to be bringing forward statements. Uh, to talk about all of these things but obviously we want to make sure people are looked after we want to make sure that people are able to pay their bills we have a huge success story on getting people off welfare and into work those people who are on welfare still are reliant on, the, on that support. people in work are also on benefits. Indeed, indeed. So do so, you think that when Boris Johnson the elected Prime Minister said that, that benefits should rise in line with inflation 
Was he wrong to have done that? Or do you think that the that Liz Truss, who hasn't been voted for by anyone apart from a small group of Tory party members, do you think she should abide by the well, same pledge? Uh, both on, on welfare, but also on the, the pension lock, for example, yeah. that we brought in. You know, if you're the older you are, the higher your cost of living. These things were brought in for a, a reason. But she's, but she's it's committed quite to that. Right. She's committed and to absolutely, and, and the Prime Minister has been committed to that. So we're, we're not about uh, you know, trying to help people with one hand and take it away with another. But we do need to look at these, you know, just like households and businesses are facing these uh, uh, cost challenges, so are, so are governments, uh, departments and the services that they run. But all that needs to be looked at. It will be brought forward in the proper way. Cabinet will be uh, involved in that and you can expect to be hearing about that more in the coming coming weeks. I'll try once more. Do you think that benefits should rise in line with inflation? I have always supported, um, whether it's pensions, whether it's uh, our welfare system, uh, keeping pace uh, with inflation, it's, uh, it makes sense uh, to do so. So that's that's what I voted for before and, ha and so have a lot of my colleagues. But we do need to look at where we can make efficiency savings just because of the cost challenges uh, on those department budgets, yeah. When you, I know you said you were joking about the comms question, but it does seem as if there has been a big failure in terms of communication on, on several fronts, both on the, the energy policy, which seemed to get completely lost uh, by the time that the, uh, the growth plan was announced. Do you think the Prime Minister needs to rethink the way that actually lots of quite experienced people were moved from number 10, there aren't that many, there aren't as many people working in number 10? Is that a failure at this stage? Is that partly why, you know, she's 25, 30 points behind the polls? No, I think communications is important to a degree. It's important that we set out a vision. It's important that businesses, the independent sector, the general public community groups know how they can contribute to what it is we're trying to get done. But the most important thing, Matt, is that people feel better. They feel that they're able to cope with uh, challenges that are thrown at them. They feel that the public services that they're reliant on are working well. They can get a blood test back in a reasonable time. They can see a doctor. They can get a dentist. All of these things. That is what will make the difference. And the Prime Minister has set out her very clear priorities. And they're all those bread and butter issues. And that is what she wants her government to be focused on. It is about delivery. And that is going to mean whether the public want us back for, a, for another term. One of the most striking things, I mean, I thought this listening to Kwasi Kwarteng's speech, but you hear the same things when Liz Truss is speaking too. You've been in government for several years now. You've been in the you know, several cabinets, done to different prime ministers. Did you sit there the whole time thinking these people are deliberately stifling growth and only now do we have a government that's interested in growth? No, I mean, look, I'm actually, uh, it's a controversial view, but I'm actually really proud of a lot of the things that we have done uh, in the last 12 years. I mean, we spoke about welfare earlier on. Two million more women in work than there were in 2010. We halved the disability employment gap and, uh, you know, prior to our own uh, deadline that we set for us doing that. We have done a lot of really good things, actually in some very difficult circumstances, and obviously also been through uh, a, a pandemic and, and kept businesses going throughout that and supported people with unprecedented amounts of support. So I, I actually think we've, we've done good work, uh, but we're entering a new phase for the country now. We're coming out of the pandemic. We've got to get growth back into the economy. We've also got to meet the ambition that the British public had when they voted in 2016 and 2019 about that Brexit dividend, about really making sure that we are modernising our economy and able to make use of the, all the new opportunities that we have.
do you think there's a risk, and actually the Labour Party did this under Ed Miliband especially, that if, if you don't talk up your own record, uh, no one else is going to do it for you. And actually, quite a lot of what we've been hearing this week in, in Birmingham has been a trashing of the last 12 years of Conservatives in government, which seems to be serving up quite an easy attack line to the Labour Party. Is that a mistake by some of your colleagues sort of do down the last 12 years of Conservative-led government? Well, I think what the Prime Minister is wanting to do, and I'm sure you'll be hearing about it uh, later in the week, is set out her vision, a positive vision for the country. That's actually what motivates people. Um, well, we keep being told to... about 12 years of stagnant growth and Treasury orthodoxy, which has held Britain back. It, that's that's, that's, that's Labour campaign slogans, isn't it? To, you know, if you're, gonna, if you're trashing your own brand, you're doing the Labour Party's work for it. Well, I, I think we should be setting out a positive agenda. Yeah. I think that that is what the Prime Minister wants to do. And yes, she is going to be different from the previous administration. Um, she'll she'll have her own uh, style that she'll want to bring. Uh, she's she's run, going to run cabinet, as I've discussed, very differently from her predecessor. Um, I, I think that's a good thing. She's, she's a modern person and she wants to make Whitehall a modern place to be. Um, Liz just said that she uh, was, wasn't worried about being unpopular if it meant taking the difficult decisions. But actually the lesson of the last couple of days is she is worried about being unpopular. She put forward a policy that was unpopular at the first sign of trouble, she's U-turned. No, I think actually um, a lot of people will uh, have been reassured uh, by what, what has happened today. I mean, she she's someone that listens. Uh, she is someone that has a very clear vision about what she wants to achieve and she knows the direction she wants to take the, the country in but she also is pragmatic and she listens. And, uh, and I think that's what you've, you've seen behind what's happened today. Just funny, you've been in the Conservative Party for a long time, both as an MP and before that. Things look quite bad at the moment. Speaking to lots of people here, you know, I've spoken to councillors, MPs, former ministers who, who say it's already over. It's just a question of managing the defeat. How bad do you think the situation is, and how does it compare to previous I, previous times? I don't, I don't uh, buy into that uh, view. I think that what the public want is for us to deliver for them. They they understand the difficult times Actually, that we. If have you look at the polls, what the public want is they want a Labour government. Well, they, we we've obviously had some very diff a difficult set of circumstances and a very peculiar time and a, a very destabilising time for the country because of what's what's happened. I think we need now to demonstrate that the the new vigour that a new government is bringing to these very difficult issues, the backlogs we've got on healthcare and so forth, we, we need to make a tangible difference to what people are experiencing. That's what we need to do. And I think that if we do that, we will win the next general election. I think the public are with us. They are with our agenda from the referendum onwards. That's what we have to do. You we have to demonstrate. We need good delivery. policies and good comms. Well, that would be that would be good, Matt. Paddy Mollett, thanks And good public services, of course, delivered of course. by a Conservative government. Paddy Mollett, thanks very much for joining us. <laughs> Thank you. Paddy Morton then spoke to me uh, last night, uh, sparking the latest cabinet round by saying she would support increasing benefits in line with inflation. Well, this morning, Liz Truss has been asked if she's now, as she says, we're a listening government, is she listening to Penny Morton? Here's what she told reporters. On the subject of benefits, you know, we have not yet made that decision. And of course, there will be discussions about the way forward on commitments like benefits, on how we deal with future budgets. But I'm very clear that going into this winter, we do need to help the most vulnerable in addition to the energy price guarantee, we've also made sure the most vulnerable households have an extra £1,200. 
and this government will always help people get on in life whilst making sure the most vulnerable are protected. As Liz Truss speaking uh, a little earlier this morning, uh, we've just heard from Penny Morton. She's the leader of the House of Commons and at a fringe event earlier this week uh, for, uh, actually for Conservative spin doctors, uh, she joked that the problem with the mini-budget was it was great policy, but the comms were... Yeah, it wasn't, the swear word wasn't quite that long. Anyway, uh, since then, uh, yesterday I was chatting to a former cabinet minister who told me they thought that last week could have been the Tories' Ratner moment. Here's a reminder of what happened with Gerald Ratner, who's the chief executive of Ratner's jewellery company, and mocked his own products at a conference in 1991. We also do this uh, nice sherry decanter. It's cut glass, and it comes complete with six glasses on a silver-plated tray that your butler could uh, bring you in and serve you drinks on. And it's really only cost £4.95. pence. People say to me, how can you sell this for such a low price? I say, because it's total crap. Um, we even sell a pair of earrings for under a pound. Gold earrings as well. And some people say, well, that's cheaper than a prawn sandwich from Marks and Spencers. But I have to say, the sandwich will probably last longer than the earrings. But anyway. So has the last week been a Ratner moment? Uh, is it all about bad comps? Well, here now are three people who uh, know a thing or two about that. So Craig Oliver was Director of Communications to David Cameron. Morning. Hello. Uh, we've got Kirsty Buchanan, former head of press at number 10 and a former special advisor to Liz Trust. Morning. Good morning. And joining us on the line, Oscar Redrop, fresh from number 10 under Boris Johnson, where he was head of press. Hi, Oscar. Morning. Um, Oscar, well, let's start with you, first of all. How much have you been laughing over the last seven days? <laughs> Uh, not at all, Matt, not at all. I mean, if anything, I have quite a uh, great deal of empathy. I mean, I know how... I mean, we love you, Matt, and your like in the media, but you guys can be completely brutal. And, you know, when you, when you smell blood and when a moment happens, and I think every event now, every time the Prime Minister's in front of the camera, every time her Chancellor is, it feels like a moment. And you guys are waiting with, you know, bated breath uh, for the next kind of you know, mistake or another ball that gets rolling. So I actually have a great deal of empathy. I really do. Kirsty, do you have lots of empathy for Liz Trust this week? Uh, I have many... <laughs> that was a Liz Trust-style pause, Very good it? pause, yeah, yeah, yeah. A Liz Trust-style pause. Look, I have many kind of phrases about comms. One of my favourites is, good comms is no panacea for poor policy. Yeah. Uh, yes, this was not very well sold, but if you try to spin, you know, uh, cutting the top rate of tax in a cost of living crisis between now and Christendom, you would never spin it because the policy is untenable. And I used to work for the great Eric Pickles and he always used to say, if, a, if something is unreasonable, doesn't pass the reasonableness test, it will not stand. And the only question with this from a comms point of view is how much pain do you want to endure before you rip the plaster and, and kill bad policy? Because some things just self-evidently will not stand, and this was 100% one of them. What's your been assessment of it, Craig? Is it bad policy or bad comms or bad both, everything? I, I think it is a mixture of both of them. Um, I think the reality is, in any, even in the best circumstances, the, the spotlight of conference burns incredibly brightly. 
and it will expose a lot of things that are going on in the party. And what we're really seeing is that actually she's trying to make a deeply factionalised party do something that they don't want to do. And as Kirsty says, you can keep trying to come up with the right combination of words to sell it, you're never going to be able to do that if you've got people who've got you on the run. And just to Oscar's point, I mean, look, of course the media will always try and trip people up and find ways of exposing difficulties and stuff. But they, what they've done is recognise that this is a government that's already on the run. And it looks like it doesn't have a grip. And it looks like it's bouncing from crisis to crisis. We're in the extraordinary situation, just listening to, to Penny Morden there. She seems to have had a pre-rebellion so she's anticipated what government policy is going to be and already started <laughs> a pre-rebellion pre pre against it. A and, and, I mean, I don't think I've really ever seen that before, that a cabinet <laughs> minister anticipates what the government policy is going to be and then basically starts a rebellion before it's even been announced. Oscar, it took a while for Boris Johnson to lose control of his cabinet. Uh, for Liz Truss to lose control of her cabinet on the third day of her party covers after just a month in the job's not great, is it? Uh, no, definitely not ideal. I mean, I think the other thing you have to remember is... <laughs> well, the, the other thing you do have to remember, in fairness, and I'm really trying to be as fair as possible, is that, you know, I think there's a real difference when you start as Prime Minister. When you, 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 I mean, we're all in the game, we're all politicos, we're all kind of nerds, but most people wouldn't really know who Liz Truss was. And then the first thing they're exposed to is, I guess you know, a, a slight car crash. And it's really, really difficult to row back from that. I would say because things are momentary sometimes and you do tail chase sometimes in the game, that a really, really good, and for some people it might, they may think, well, this, this feels very unlikely right now, but a really good uh, reset speech can reset the tone. So I don't think, you know, all hope is lost at all. I have to say there are a couple of other weird things and I would absolutely defer to your more experienced uh, guest today. But I have noticed some strange things just in terms of the media stage management of things. You know, you've got cabinet ministers going out at the same time as each other whilst the prime minister is doing a full clip. And that makes people nervous, I think, in the party. And in terms of people going off east, the chances of that increase considerably. But I'd, I'd be interested to hear what you know, Craig and, uh, would say about that. It doesn't seem to have a very sort of iron grasp on what is going on. We've had a weird situation this morning where... Liz Truss was on breakfast radio shows, but it was recorded yesterday, so she couldn't react to anything that's happened today. She's doing another round this lunchtime to go out later, and it just becomes this weird model. And crucially, on the, on the, on the main interview, she was asked, because it was uh, done yesterday, she said, can we guarantee that what you say today will hold yeah. by tomorrow? And she was asked repeatedly whether she was going to stick with the original timetable for the medium-term fiscal plan that we're all waiting to see, which has caused all this problem in the first place. And she said, yes, we'll stick to that timetable. And by this morning, lo and behold, we're told it's going to come forward again. And once you, once you lose grip and you're getting buffeted by events, this stuff starts to take on a momentum of its own. I mean, I like the idea of Oscars it's being a slight car crash. It, it's beginning to feel like a motorway pile-up. And... You know, people are beginning to move into spaces and say, right, well, OK, it's every man for myself now. You know, the only question here is is how bad our electoral losses are if things don't substantially change. So I'm going to start positioning myself away from this government. And if they don't get a grip soon, they're going to be in serious difficulties. And, and the biggest problem she's got is, you know, Liz is not the greatest orator at the best of times. Despite all your best efforts with your training. I, I, I believe you me, I tried. Um, 
But, you know, this is going to have to be the speech of all ages to begin to turn this yeah. and reset this around. Their biggest problem at the moment, though, is party management. They really need a reset in Downing Street and, and they need a much tougher grip from the Chief Whip. The amazing thing, I spoke to a Tory MP, they said they haven't had any contact from the Whips last week, over the weekend, into conference. I mean, look, I, I don't know Wendy Morton. I'm sure she's a lovely woman, but su- suffice to say, everybody I've spoken to was surprised at the appointment. Yeah, yeah. And there is a major job of not just external comms, but internal comms. You need to start to bring your MPs into Downing Street the minute you get back, yeah. explain your fiscal thinking and start to win people on side on the subject of you know and then you get people supporting their colleagues and having faith and trust in the in the in the government maybe Wendy Morton should have a word with this MP an MP called Liz Truss who was asked this morning by Sam Coates on Sky News if she trusted he had a couple of goes at this does Liz Truss trust her Chancellor imagine that someone's asked David Cameron once do you trust George Osborne as your Chancellor Look, I was watching that clip and she seemed to me to be somebody who was worried that there was a trap in the question and that there wasn't. She should have said, of course I trust my chancellor and moved on. Look, what's going on here is that it's deeply fashionable in among politicians and actually in some parts of the media to criticise professional communications. They talk about the dark arts, they say you're being overly controlling, you have a grid of activity. I think what this government is discovering is you need a grid of activity and you do need professionals who are in charge who will say this is how we're ordering it, this is what the message is and we are going to do it in a systemic way. If you don't do that, you end up in complete chaos and having conversations like this on Times Radio. I think we've got the clip, actually, because it is worth listening. This is about the second go of Sam Coates asking the Prime Minister she trust, trusts her own Chancellor. Here we go. Um, viewers will have heard you not answer the question about whether you trust your Chancellor, given the scale of the mistake that you say he made. Are you sure you don't want to say you trust your Chancellor? I work very, very closely with my Chancellor. We're very focused on getting the economy growing. And that's what people in Britain want. We're facing difficult economic times. We're seeing rising interest rates around the world, very serious issues with energy prices and inflation. And we've acted decisively. If you remember, people were facing energy bills of up to £6,000. We put in place the energy price guarantee. The average household won't have to pay more than around £2,500. And what we're focused on is getting on with the job getting on with the job, although not having trust in a Prime Minister. Just finally, Oscar, how long is it to your back in number 10 working for Boris Johnson as Prime Minister? <laughs> that is a very, very outrageously cheeky question. Um, look, I, 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 I've been asked this a couple of times. He will just want what's best for the country at this point, and I'm very much enjoying putting my feet up and having a bit of rest. <laughs> laughing ahead off, which is where we started. It's really good to speak to you, Oscar. Uh, I saw Oscar Redrop there was the head of press at number 10 under Boris Johnson. Sir Craig Oliver, director of communications under David Cameron and Kirsty Buchanan, former head of press at number 10 under Theresa May and a former advisor to Liz Truss. So if in doubt, it's all Kirsty's fault. That's all we've got time for on this episode of the Red Box Podcast. Don't forget you can listen to me live Monday to Friday, 10 till 1 on Times Radio. We bring you the best bits here on the podcast. And if you're feeling particularly nice, why not wait and review us wherever you get your podcast from?